We are not affiliated with, nor do we represent Alcoholics Anonymous. We are simply here sharing our experiences, strength, and hope so that hopefully we can help someone through another day. Hi, I'm Lynn. I'm Bree. I'm Vicki. And, and we are Telling on Ourselves. Telling on Ourselves. Telling on Ourselves. Telling on Ourselves. Telling, 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 Okay, so that was supposed to be the Christmas bells. The song. Carol of the Heart Bells. Carol of the Bells. Sweet thing. silver bells all seem to say, throw cares away. Don't and do, do you that. Know, and do you know why we wanted to do the the Christmas jingle? Tune? Jingle. Why? Because today's episode is How holidays. to Keep Your Serenity During the Holidays. Serenity Now. I always think of that Seinfeld episode. Every time. Every time. <laughs> well, Jerry Stiller. Serenity Now. Well, because isn't Festivus coming up too, and which Festivus is like the is airing the of grievances? <laughs> Festivus yeah. for the rest of us. So for those who don't have a program, you can still air your grievances right. or do kind of like maybe a fourth step or something. Yeah. Four and nine. Yeah. Just through Festivus. Air that shit out. <laughs> Serenity now. So yes, today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to protect your sobriety. If you're in recovery, we're going to be talking about how to protect your serenity. If you're not in recovery and um, emotional, emotional serenity, emotional sobriety is, um, you know, we're just going to cover it all. We are going to cover it all. And it's so important. And we'll get down to this, but I really want to uh, dissect the emotional sobriety component of it. Okay, good. But first we have... First thought wrong. First thought wrong. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I win today. I'm a big fat you know, loser winner. May I say really quickly, I, I missed you so much last week. It was wonderful having Martin John. And thanks again, Martin yes. John, for uh, showing up and doing a fantastic interview with us. But it was just weird. I felt like part of my body was missing. Yeah. I would have much rather been here <laughs> than going through what I was going through I know. last I week. So I know. Um, but yeah, so glad to be back this week. And I have a doozy. For my week back, it's kind of a big one. Um, And, you know, it does relate to the holidays a lot. So it's kind of apropos um, that I tell on myself about this. And it's it's um, the holidays are just really tricky, guys. And no matter how much sobriety you have, they can be tricky. And it's all about the basics, I think, for me. Um, I know that last year around the holidays, I really started getting a little itchy. Let's put it that way. It started when my brother came into town for Thanksgiving and we had all gone out, you know, my brother, my sister-in-law, me and my boyfriend had all gone out downtown and um, everyone drank except for me. But I remember being at uh, Howl at the Moon, enjoying Mm -hmm. ourselves, but uh, having a twinge of jealousy, actually, that everyone was drinking. And I was really starting to romanticize all of the fun that I used to have, um, being out and drinking in the city and stuff and being a little jealous that my brother was drinking. Um, and he, you know, he turns into a happy drunk. So there was a little bit of a resentment there. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a week later, then there was like a holiday party for, for one of Dave's friends. And I didn't really know anybody there. So it was a lot of new people. And of course there was alcohol. And I kept thinking to myself, 
oh, you know, what if I just accidentally drank the spiced rum and, you know, just was so shocked that it was spiced rum. Like I knew it was spiced rum, but I started then having these thoughts and, and these what if scenarios running through my mind. And instead of stopping them, I kind of indulged in the fantasy a little bit. Um, and then that kind of repeated because we had Dave's work party. So again, another party where there's drinking and, um, there was like lemoncello dessert. And I was like, oh, you know, uh, what if this has real alcohol in it? Should I, should I eat it? Should I not? So I was starting to really get into this obsession with drinking and feeling left out and being jealous of others that, that were, that were, um, drinking. Also during that time, because the holidays were so busy, I was getting really lax on my meetings. I wasn't showing up to as many of my meetings on Saturday and Sunday morning because, oh my goodness, they're at 8 a.m. And I was, you know, at a holiday party the night before and I need, you know, I deserve to sleep in and it's the holidays. Um, and so I just kind of, I pulled back a lot from, um, making my sobriety a priority. And then I was indulging in all these fantasies and, and the jealousy and, when I did go to meetings, I was telling on myself, right? I was telling you guys that I was um, thinking about drinking the spiced rum. And, you know, there was an instance where um, one of my girlfriends was over watching The Bachelor and, you know, I had smelled her wine. And I had told you guys these mm -hmm. things, thinking that just telling on myself was going to make it better. But it didn't. The monkey was on my back and it felt like I, at you know, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a speaker who said that when you are sober, but you want to drink, it feels like your skin is peeling off. Like there's something crawling under your skin and you want to peel your skin off. And that's how I felt. Like when she said that, I, I know that feeling and I can relate from experience now. And so I think in my mind, I just resigned to the fact, well, I I'm headed for a relapse. I'm going to eventually drink. I just feel like I can't get it out of my system. This obsession with what it like, what it would be like if I drank again. And so then eventually I did drink. And so, um, as you guys know, uh, this is something that I didn't talk about for a really long time because the character defect of self-righteousness self and, um, you know, I was so ashamed because I felt that someone with only three and a half years of sobriety should have all the answers and should have it figured out. Well, you know, I can only say that I've been humbled so much by this. Like, I don't know anything three years is nothing. Um, I mean, it's a big accomplishment. It really is. I don't mean to diminish that, but I, I was so cocky and self-righteous that I couldn't take, I, I, I wouldn't, and then I wouldn't take the action. Right. And then it made me lazy because I thought I was good. And so then I didn't do the action. So then even when I was struggling and then I was telling on myself, I wasn't doing the action, even though I knew what the basics were and I knew what the fundamentals were. So it did, it, I, the disease, it got me and, um, I did drink again. And so my first thought wrong was keeping it a secret and thinking right. that if I told people, that one, it would be justifiable to go back out and just continue drinking. I really thought that if I, if I told on myself and if I told you guys, my thought was, well, then I'm just going to drink until I'm done drinking again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not going to get sober again right away. I'm just going to keep drinking. But if I keep it a secret, then I'm going to stop drinking. And I don't know why that was my thought, but so that's my, my first thought wrong is that I should not be honest and I should keep it a secret. So the last, I don't know, however long has been literally a elephant sitting on my chest. I've had no peace and no serenity. And it all kind of started with this agitation 
from the holidays, this like restless, and when they say restless, irritable, and discontented, like I don't know how you guys put up with me for the last year because I can pretty much, I can confidently say that since November of last year, there wasn't really a true, that true deep harmony or joy. And you guys just put up with it or maybe I was a good faker, but not that great of a faker. Cause I mean, Vic, you were really worried about me, but, um, that kind of goes into our topic of Mm -hmm. why it's so freaking important to guard and be vigilant about your sobriety and not just drinking, but Mm -hmm. your serenity, just your emotional sobriety too. Yes, absolutely. Because that's, I feel like that was really, they say the, the relapse happens long before you take the the drink. And I can attest to that. And it, it's funny. I knew I was going to relapse before I relapsed. That's how uncomfortable I was getting just being around alcohol and how uncomfortable I was getting in my mind with my thoughts about drinking. First of all, thank you. We love you so much. And, um, for you to share something like this that's so painful and difficult and personal. It really is the spirit of what we, I think, are trying to do here is that you're only as sick as your secrets. You said that on a podcast like three weeks ago, and I sat here and cringed through the entire thing. We love you. Um, I just would like to talk about something that Bree shared, and and um, you know I love you. And I'm so proud of you and so um, so impressed and so uh, inspired to protect my sobriety. But what I want to remind everybody is it took a long time to get from that point of November to when you did it. Um, and it's cunning, baffling, and powerful, they say in the big book. And we talk about this in meetings all the time. But none of us are immune to this disease. And when the disease gets its hooks in us, yes, we can tell on ourselves. The problem is we also have to do all those daily things to to do the work. And, and maybe sometimes even that doesn't help because you were doing a lot of work still. Um I think it's 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 a it's a it's dangerous waters when we put ourselves in situations that can be tempting, can be triggering. And and that doesn't mean there's so many different things, but I think it's so important for all of us that are in recovery to protect it and keep it a priority and and I think that this happening for me right before the holidays and, and finding out and being with you in your journey um, just gives me more uh, gravity into why I need to keep doing my everyday regimen and why I need to keep going to meetings and why I need to know that I am not immune to the disease of alcoholism anymore. Uh, it is still there, and it and it's... Um, it's it's really just a one day at a time thing. Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, I think uh, for us, when we were talking about the topic today, um, we knew that we wanted to talk about coping with the stress of the holidays. And Bree had said that she wanted to share. She wasn't sure when. And you know, Vicky and I are completely supportive, and we're like, it's on your time, your decision. We're here for you regardless. And 
because uh, she decided today because of our topic, it is so important and it and it's so insidious and tricky and sneaky. And you know, even if you're not a suffering alcoholic, you we all have some addiction or another, whether it's food or shopping or sex or you Phones. know, we find ways to not deal with the shit that's swimming around in our heads. Yeah, and a lot of times it phones technology is a big one. So for us to talk about this real tough topic and we're we're really just going to be scratch the surface today but I think it's a good thing for us to at least start the dialogue and we can share what we suffer and how we struggle and maybe you can relate to it or not relate um I mean and we're going to share <coughs> things that we've heard along the way because mm-hmm. we've heard a lot of things and yeah. um and we've tried a lot of things and there's no right or wrong way to do it it's just suggestions. Right. And I remember a while back I had I said this quote about the goal in life is not to be happy. The goal in life is to grow and to learn. Happiness is a byproduct. And again, all of this is growth and learning. Sometimes growth is so painful. We talk about change being painful. Growth is painful. Think about when you're in a preteen growing pains, especially boys that get tall really fast. That's that's real. That's like a physical pain. And I'm telling you, emotional growth is physical. It's tangible. And I think you even said that when you're you were talking about how you felt like there were bugs crawling under your skin kind of it's like you just wanted to rip your skin off it becomes almost a tangible type of pain and we've got to figure out a way to face it deal with it and then and move on from it and still be happy and healthy and joyous and free right right righto well um we're talking about the topic it's technically today is how to keep serenity during the holidays. So I looked up the definition of serenity and um, I need to talk a little bit louder. I just realized. Um, So the definition that I found that spoke to me today was serenity is remaining calm and true to yourself regardless of what is going on. And then it's untroubled by life's ups and downs. Remaining calm and true to yourself, no matter what is going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's that's the that's the crux of recovery. Right. Uh, to thine own self be true. Um, and yikes, that's why. I mean, this is just so hard because mm-hmm. sobriety has to come first. But when you get sobriety, it's so easy because then life starts to happen and you do feel better and you don't feel all that pain and you don't need to numb. But then we get caught up in our lives and if we put the meetings to the side and if we mm-hmm. put the the daily regimen whether it's self development or recovery it doesn't matter when we stop putting ourselves and our health our our whole wellness our holistic wellness we stop putting that first that's when it's fleeting and it's just sometimes annoying that we have to do so much work to be quite honest right and you know I was just thinking about this the uh, we have six weeks out of the year where basically you throw everything out that you've been working on for the other 44. 48 weeks, right? No, 46 weeks of the year. 46 weeks, you're working, 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 working. And then we take six weeks, which is essentially Thanksgiving to the end of the year. Um, And you go, well, you know, for six weeks, I'm just going to ignore all that shit that I've been working on. And I'm going to do what I think everybody wants. I'm going to say yes to everything that I think I should. And I'm just going to, you know, try to get through it. Well, yesterday, Chelsea and I did this workshop. And I don't have the sheet in front of me. But it was something like 
69% of Americans are in extreme stress during the holidays. Is that right? Hi, everybody. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Hey, Chelsea. Um, so 25%, this is statistics, I believe, from the American Institute of Stress. Um, 25% feel extreme stress during the holidays. Uh, 69% are stressed due to lack of time. 69% are, are stressed due to lack of money. And I believe 51% um, you know, are stressed out by the prospect of giving and receiving gifts and, and that gift exchange. So um, all around, we're just pretty stressed out by the holidays. And I'll tell you what, you, i tell you what, uh, this is the poorest I've ever been in my life financially. And this is the easiest holiday I've ever had that I can recall. Right. Um, I can't get gifts for people this year. I Even my kids know. My kids are being cool about it. We're doing different things. We're, I'm making, I'm doing, I'm really got back into my art, which is something in early recovery. So this could be tip number one. Tip number one, get into something creative that you like. Jewelry making, painting on walls. No, just kidding. No, you can paint your walls. Or furniture. Furniture. <laughs> I mean, doing something. They say move a muscle and change a thought. Move a muscle and change a thought. And that, man, in my early recovery, I used to do beading. I used to do painting. I used to do cleaning out drawers. The other day when I got really bad news on Monday, I cleaned... I had, I had probably about 10 things on my list. I cleaned every bathroom in the house, washed all the floors. I cleaned underneath my dresser and all those dust bunnies, which I don't know where they come from, but it is outrageous. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I just cleaned the heck out of it and I needed to do stuff, but I knew I couldn't. I knew I just couldn't. So first tip is do something different. Do something creative, something physical. Move a muscle, even if it's just walk, something. So that's my first tip. Yeah, get up and move. Um, another, well, we were going to talk about emotional sobriety. And right here, I have this thing about emotional sobriety. So it talks about in recovery how important it is. In the beginning, it's like first things first, and the first thing is don't drink. As you get a little bit more comfortable with this new habit of life of not drinking and the obsession of the mind has lifted, um, you're going to start working on the problems. And basically, it's the problems of why you were drinking in the first place or why you were using or why you were shopping or why you were eating. Eventually, you do... If you want, you don't have to, but if you want to live a happy, healthy, joyous, and free life, you need to figure out what, where all this came from. And um, they say that there's two different kinds of emotional regulation when you consider it. Distraction is unthinking, which is what we do all the time. And then cognitive disengagements, which I use solitaire on my phone when I, and I used to use it as a tool with anxiety when I had anxiety really bad and I couldn't like focus on anything. Solitaire saved me from that. So we start working on a toolbox and what Vicki gave us as a first tip is basically a tool. We It's one of the tools in our toolbox that we um, start using. And you're looking at these like ideas of re, re 
retraining how you think, retraining uh, what our go-to is, like our first thought wrong. But you can still have that first thought. We all have first thought wrong. You will have that yeah. first thought wrong. And that's okay. And it might not always be wrong. I did have a conversation with somebody at Soberfest. Mm-hmm. And um, the good news is, people, just because we have first thought wrong, that doesn't mean every thought is wrong. As you get through re- emotional growth and emotional sobriety and recovery and all this self-development, your thoughts change from being mostly wrong to from, I mean, my thoughts used to be always wrong to maybe once in a while they're wrong, which is why we talk about first thought wrong because it's still there, but it's not always there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, it well actually this this was in Scientific American by the way that I found this really cool article about emotional sobriety so I am citing this right now um, if you are interested Scientific American has a great article on emotional sobriety which is what it says and um, they say that research suggests that a healthy mind deftly flips between techniques when facing unpleasant emotions deftly uh-huh deftly flips, which means you do it concisely, quickly, and efficiently. Okay. Deft. Okay. And then um, the recovery programs teach these fundamental principles of emotional regulation, which is what we call emotional sobriety. It's emotional regulation. So if you think about that, let's break down what is regulation. That is, that's cutting out the highs and the lows. It's making it all more median, right? If you're regulating something, you're not going to have peaks and you're not going to have valleys. And the apparently, uh, the techniques apparently do come naturally to many healthy people. <laughs> really? <laughs> what is that like? <laughs> right? That's what I want to like know. one of those things you don't understand unless you understand it. Yeah. So. Oh, no. It's um, like, I've heard tell that people can do that. <laughs> Personally, I don't know how much I would. Scientific America says so. Well, you know, they are pretty on top of it. Um, Strategies that people choose for dealing with negative emotions of different kinds and intensities um, will happen when they process different kinds of emotional information. So, well, and I think part of processing that for me is like talking to people going to meetings to share or just having support that you, you know, you can, when stressful situations happen that you can talk to someone about and open up, like you always say, Vicki, unedited, right? Like you want to find people, um, or at least one person that you can be unedited with when stressful situations happen so that you get it out and you're not bottling that and holding that in. I mean, I think that's really important as far as yeah. regulating, you know, for, for those of us who are not natural regulators <laughs> of our stress. No, we're not. Um, I, I think that's really important. I know that helps sure. me. Well, and it makes me think of this quote that I learned recently, and it was, I wish I could remember who said it, but it was, if you bury a feeling alive, it's it's still alive mm-hmm. in you. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing with a secret. If you bury a secret alive it's still alive in you. And I think that for me, um, not only is it the part of, of telling on yourself and not editing yourself, but having someone that can come back to me and say, listen, understand, but also give me a solution, which is why we work with other people, which is why the steps are so important, which is why we go to meetings. I mean, there... I want to. I do want to talk about, and I know this is a quick change, but I want to talk about work parties. Yes, work holiday parties, and maybe friend parties or whatever, yes. where there is alcohol. And if you are an alcoholic, and I want to ask you girls what you think are the tools that we could use in those scenarios. 
Well, I think I say this all the time. I always drive myself so that I have an out. Mm-hmm. And the one exception, um, this year I went to an annual Halloween party and asked Vicky to come with me. But it was funny because we both looked at each other and were like, you ready? Because that's when we'd been there for, they do these fun awards. But that's when the drinking had gotten to the point where everybody was getting really loud. They were having fun. I am, There is no judgment when I say this. But I looked at her and I said, you ready? And I said, uh-huh. uh-huh. And it's, it was- <laughs> it's so funny because that when I was in early recovery, I figured that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to my work parties and it was very, you know, anxiety ridden. And I would, as soon as the volume, as soon as people started to get loud, there was a certain volume and a certain energy in the air that I could be, I knew it was time. I knew it was time. And usually there were shots on the, on the bar and I just saw it and I'm like, okay guys, see you around. And sometimes I didn't even say goodbye. Mm -hmm. I would just slowly slither out because I knew that my recovery was more important than that shot of tequila. Um, There was another point I was going to give to this, especially early in sobriety. I felt responsible for maybe making other people uncomfortable that I wasn't drinking. Now, what the hell? I don't need to worry about what other people, again, I'm not responsible for anybody but myself, but I would be afraid that I would make people uncomfortable because, you know, I'd been party Lynn for years and years and years. I was always the one that would have a glass, that last glass of wine. Lynn would always do that. Now, suddenly I've reversed my role. I've changed my role and I'm going to worry about what somebody else might be feeling. And they're probably feeling a huge sense of fucking relief because I was, a, I was, is the one that they had to carry out to the car. Yeah. Or fell down and broke their ankle. You know, it's all the things, you know, what's going to happen this time. So that that's just one more fucked up thought that you have when you're in the anxiety um, hamster wheel, which is what I do. I get in that hamster wheel. So, so the, so the thing you said was um, for the tip was to bring someone that's either in recovery with you or drive drive yourself. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. You need a way out. Yep. Um, I think, do you have, do you have any other suggestions for, well, and like you said, you know, you need to know when to pull the parachute cord. Like it's, if you do go alone, that's great. But do you know when to pull the cord Mm -hmm. and don't be cocky about it and don't, well, you know, it's so easy to be don't, 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 but try to not be codependent on how you're not drinking or you're leaving early is going to affect other people. Exactly. They're not going to die if they drink or their whole life isn't going to be ruined by a drink. Whereas ours could, you know, and it it sounds so silly to be that dramatic about it, but it is dramatic. I mean, it it is. Thank you. (laughs) It is dramatic. This is life and death. And addendum I'm going to add to that is don't feel like you need to find the host and say goodbye. Because you know how much time I've wasted trying to do that and make when half the time, if they're already half lit, they're not going to they remember. Don't care. They don't care. And it's okay. And then the next day you go, sorry, I didn't say goodbye before I left. But, you know, and they're like, oh, that's okay. Because they're the host. They're the entertain. You know, they're entertaining all these people. And I used to really get hung up on that because I was, that's how I was raised is you never leave without saying thank you. And that just keeps you there that much longer, which is not what you need to do. So don't feel like you need to make your goodbyes, you know, in that kind of party atmosphere. I have another one. That another tip that is really, really, really important, and it is knowing yourself enough to know if you should even go. Mm-hmm. Um, it is okay to say no to an engagement. It is just a party. There's going to be other parties. Maybe next year you'll be in a better place and you can go to that party. But if you are feeling wonky or uncomfortable or hungry or angry or lonely or tired or any of those scared feelings, 
don't freaking go. You don't have to go. And you know, that's so important because going back to the emotional sobriety part, these big holiday parties and, and the actual holidays themselves are not when I drank. It wasn't the big stuff. And I heard someone say that recently at a meeting that it's not the big stuff that usually drives us to take a drink. It's a buildup of all of the little stuff that eats away at your emotional sobriety. Right. So, you know, leaving early from a party, driving yourself, going with a buddy, not going at all. If you don't do some of this stuff, the the result is not necessarily that you're going to drink. The result is a slow decay in your mental and emotional fortitude against romanticizing the drink, um, you know, fantasizing about what it was used to be like being jealous, being jealous, mm-hmm. um, just being uncomfortable. Like yeah, when you have to sit at it. Yes. And just, if you are at a party and you're uncomfortable, everyone's drinking and you're sitting there and you're sitting in it, that's not going to lead to contented sobriety. That is the opposite of contented sobriety. So I just wanted to point that out. It's not always about, you know, yeah, we probably feel pretty confident that you're not going to pick up a drink at the party, but you might start having these thoughts that are dangerous down the line. These thoughts come creeping back and sometimes they don't leave. It's that monkey on your back. I was just about to say, if I may, another tip is to surround yourself with like-minded people. And for us, that is the sober community. Surround yourself for your parties. And if you're, if you're doing events, if, if no one has invited you, you know, do your own thing. It's as easy as a game night. It doesn't have to be fancy up, dressed up, you know, fancy food. This is just about we take this time of year. You know, what is the holiday season about? It's about telling the people that you love how much they are, how important they are in your life and how much you care about them. Right. That I mean, that's why we do all this crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it? I think it is. It's well, supposed to be. But I will say the other thing that we can do at these parties is um, our friend always says bookend events. So before you go in, you talk to somebody on the phone, preferably your sponsor or your or your bestie in the program or your self-development ride or die friend. Um and and then when you leave, you call them and say, I'm leaving and I'm okay. And the other thing that I used to do is I would, anytime I got a little bit of that anxiety or any of those kind of feelings, I would call my sponsor and I would say, and even if she didn't answer, I would leave a message and say, oh my God, this happened. I felt this. I'm going back in, but I won't stay for long. And I would I would mm-hmm. be accountable to the feeling. And I would I would really just use my tool of picking up that phone. Excellent. Bookends. I like it. Bookends. Yeah, that's good. Good that's one. Good. And you know, the the holiday season we do say is from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. A lot of people put a lot of expectations on New Year's Eve. I personally never have because I I worked in the service industry, so I was usually working. Amateur night. That's what we always called it was amateur night. You don't go out on amateur night. But a lot of people do put a lot of um, importance on making sure that they're doing something because that's what society has told us. And as a matter of fact, this morning in the meeting, a lady announced this uh, event that's happening at one of our meeting places. And she said, you know, for me personally, I'm so glad that I have something because it was I was already anxious. You know, it's here it is December 8th. And she's already worried about December 31st and has probably been thinking about it for a couple of weeks prior. And that's just what we were saying. It's like it's not that one event, but it's a culmination of all of these. It's like the the little water drops that eventually made the Grand Canyon. You know, it didn't it doesn't happen with one water drop, but it does eventually happen. And 
just doing what, you know, doing the right thing. Well, in New Year's Eve, I mean, and even on the holidays, most areas that have a good recovery program will have events Mm -hmm. specifically for these reasons. And if it is your first year going through the holidays, the firsts are always the hardest, I promise. It gets easier, but get connected in the program if you are new. If you are new and this is your first time, get connected somehow, some way, get connected. And and it's okay. You don't have to feel weak because it's supposed to be hard. If it's not hard, it would be weird. Mm-hmm. My opinion. That's an opinion, yeah. not a fact. IMO. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Good. What other tips do you guys have for emotional sobriety? I've got a tip. Don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> That was a grandpa joke, by the way. It was a grandpa, a grandpa joke. joke. <laughs> I, I was trying to get the dirty innuendo from it because you used the word wood. Um, there was no dirty innuendo. I did use tip so and wood, though. Yeah, you did. Burp, burp, burp. Exactly. So, <laughs> sorry, we digress. We digress. But that's okay. Um, there's a sheet that we have here. Yes. And it is, I'm going to pass it around. Well, one that jumps out at me right, at, right away because of the emotional word that I see is don't sit around brooding, mm-hmm. you know, so, but my name is rude. Bro- yeah. <laughs> so I brood. You she put the brood. rude and brood. I know. Um, but yeah, I think about that Reach instead out. of, yeah, instead of sitting around feeling sorry for yourself that this holiday season is going to be, di- you know, if you're new in sobriety, it's going to be different. Or even um, if you have long-term sobriety and you've been actually dealing with this for years, like a decade or two decades, and you know your family gets smashed every holiday and you have to go and watch all of them make asses out of themselves, don't sit around brooding. I heard this a long time ago, and this is when I was still struggling, struggling, struggling along along with um, bad family dynamics. And when somebody said... You don't have to go. Right. And it's true. You don't. And I keep thinking in my head as we're talking about all this is just January 6th reading and Mm -hmm. um, the 24-hour-a-day book. And that January, I wish I had it with me. I don't have it with me. But that January 26th reading talks about keeping your sobriety first. And though it's hard and though we think we're the most important person in the room, um, we won't be the most important person in the room if we go back and drink because we might not be there next year. So... My thing is, if you have to miss something, it's okay. It is okay to miss stuff. People will love you more if you take care of yourself. And if they don't, then that's okay too. Yeah, it's okay. And, and you know, that I, I want to go back to it's not just about um, sobriety from substances. This is just you taking care of yourself and, and taking responsibility for your own life. And again, if, if it's a situation, cause families are, you know, they're unhealthy in very special ways that only you can respond, very <laughs> that only you can respond and react to. And you, if, if you're not taking care of yourself, they're real, everything else doesn't matter. 
you know, if, if you're not in a good place, then you may not be here next year because of that. So it's okay to always say no to take care of yourself. We talk about sobriety as our first priority, and it has to be because otherwise we won't be here because it is a life and death situation. And that's true, just bottom line with taking care of yourself. Well, with depression and mm-hmm. with seasonal depression and I mean. all this pressure we put on ourselves, and you think about like that that vacation analogy I talked about, you get all these people wanting to do different things. Think about it. You get all these stressed out people. If that, those are the percentages, if you get all these stressed out people in one room, you lo- you can love each other, but you know you can also undo your pants button in front of your family. You know what I mean? I mean, just <laughs> when you're eating too much, that sounded weird. Um, but but you know, you get all these stressed out people. In a room, of course it's going to be hard. It's not because we don't love each other. It's because we're all stressed out and we just spent too much money on our credit cards to buy that person the gift that they actually don't really like. Yeah. You find out, you watch their face and you know your family so well and they, your dad's like, oh, this is ugly. You know, I mean, my dad is, is I love you, I love you, Lyle Legan. Um, but, you know, <laughs> holy crap, when you don't like something, you do not hide. And I guess I, I give it to you for your honesty. So, you know, hats off. Yeah. Godspeed. Godspeed. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. That's okay. I think we're going to... service. Yes. Service. So if you have to go and you are, you know, sober, been sober a while, but you go every year to your crazy family, what I heard someone say today in a meeting was that they are grateful for the opportunity to help serve after years and years of them coming to the, the family party and being the one to make the ass out of themselves to then be on the opposite side where they can, Mm -hmm. you know, help get the food ready, set the table, clear the table, clean everything up, play with the nieces and nephews or the grandkids that they haven't been able to play with, you know, in the past. So I think about that too, when it, you know, if, if you got to go somewhere, see what you can do to be of service when you go. Mm -hmm. Cause usually, um, when I'm of service in that regard, I usually can look back and feel very like grateful for, I, I have, an attitude of gratitude instead of a resentment. Right. So do the dishes, change the dirty diaper, Mm -hmm. talk to the uncle that no one really likes because he's a weirdo, but he needs love too because we're all people. (laughs) We all need love. We all need love. Talk to the weird uncle. Because you're probably the weird aunt. I will. I'm totally. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're come talk to me, I need love too. No. <laughs> All we need is love. Yep. Yep, it is. Giddy up. Any final anything? thoughts on uh, emotional um, sobriety? Well, I've got some golden nuggets. Okay. I always have some golden nuggets. Um, and I'm going to lose them now because I've been talking and writing so much. Go ahead, Brie. I'll go. Since yeah. So my golden nugget was dangerous waters. Like those words that you just said at the beginning, Vic, about dangerous waters is just really... I have to think of situations like that instead of thinking of situations like, oh, I've got this. It's just another Christmas. I think I under underestimated, you know, I didn't put as much importance on the gravity of what I was walking into. Right. I just 
minimized the risk in my mind. I didn't see it as a very highly risky situation because immediately, no, it was not very risky. Long term, being in that many situations, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It turned out to be not great for my sobriety. Really dangerous, dangerous water. So I have to look at things like that. Um, not to be afraid or to, you know, to keep me from going, but to to realize it's it's a, it's not easy and it doesn't, ha- I don't have to pretend that it's easy to go to these things. Right. I don't have to have the per- the perfect sobriety. I, I can admit that these things are scary and that I don't really want to go and that I'm uncomfortable and that those things are dangerous for me and I can take myself out of the dangerous water. I don't have to swim with sharks if I don't want to. So humility for me and then being able to admit those things is going to be huge for me this year and this season because I can tell you right now there's already like two or three Christmas parties that I'm not going to. I just not going to my work one and I'm not going to one of Dave's friends Christmas parties. So congratulations. It's 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 about putting ourselves first Mm -hmm. and we're not weak. I think this is one of those things where it's like you feel like you're weak and you need to be strong, but I think it's stronger and more courageous and harder to say no. So I don't think of it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And I always think about when you were talking, when everyone was talking, is um, this quote that I heard early in recovery that just tickled my funny bone. And it, and it's, we don't go to the whorehouse to listen to the <laughs> organ get played. You know, so you can go maybe one time to listen to the organ, but eventually... You keep saying organ. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What is it supposed to be? Organ. <laughs> Piano. But no, but there's the other thing. What's yeah. it called? The organ. It's an organ. <laughs> but it keeps getting played. <laughs> I'm sorry. She just... <laughs> Isn't an organ a thing? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I got another golden nugget from Sweet Bree just then when she said, I don't have to pretend that it's easy. And that is so profound to me. It's It, it really is okay to, to, to just admit, this is not easy for me. I'm going to do the best that I can. And when I need to peace out, I'm going to. Peace and out. Mm-hmm. Peace, joy, and love. Yes, happy, joyous, and free. All right. Thanks, guys. This is this is serious business, but we can still have fun doing it. Um, we love you. We appreciate you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your recovery. Don't play any organs um, or do play lots of organs. I don't know what to say about organs, but um, we are going to tune in, tune out, tribe Peace in. in. <laughs> <laughs> tribe in and tribe out. Tribe out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.